Ever wondered what unicorns eat for breakfast? Okay, so I don't actually know. But I do know that 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot. And for good reason. HubSpot's all-on-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support. Plus, they have a huge collection of resources to help startups scale. And with the HubSpot for Startups program, you could save big off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot, visit HubSpot.com startups. What's going on, everyone? It's Friday, October 28th. It's a beautiful day in my closet. <laughs> literally in a closet. I am literally recording this in a closet, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm Zachary Crockett here with Jacob Cohen. You're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. There's a lot going on today. JC's going to shepherd us through three big stories. One's pretty bad, one's good, and one really could go either way. We're going to be talking through Meta's latest earnings report, McDonald's surge in foot traffic, and the latest in Elon Musk's Twitter saga. But first, a couple quick headlines in tech and business. Kraft Heinz and Notco are partnering on Not Cheese, hmm. a plant-based American cheese slice rolling out in Cleveland in November and nationally next year. That sounds like something that would roll out in Cleveland. <laughs> See, things like this have to start in Cleveland. It's the perfect test market. <laughs> yeah. This stuff's made out of stuff like chickpeas and coconut oil. But according to the CEO of Kraft Heinz, I quote, it tastes like cheese, it smells like cheese, and it melts like cheese. <laughs> that is going to be a part of Kraft Heinz's big plan to get into plant-based foods. Historically, they've not been too great at that. All right, hackers took over the New York Post's website and Twitter account and displayed offensive posts about politicians. Last month, a pretty similar thing happened to Fast Company. JC, hopefully we're not next year. <laughs> Hoping, can always hope. Yeah. YouTube is going to allow doctors, nurses, psychologists, and other licensed healthcare professionals to be labeled as reliable on the platform. That's a big push to combat the whole medical misinformation thing that's happening on YouTube. And they're going to periodically be reassessing those labels just to stay on top of things. The National Labor Relations Board accused Amazon CEO Andy Jassy of violating labor laws by stating that employees would be better off without a union in a press interview. That allegation comes in the midst of increased organizing activity within the company. Workers at a fulfillment center around Albany, New York, rejected unionization last week. And lastly, just a couple earnings reports that came out. Speaking of Amazon, the company missed Wall Street expectations on revenue yesterday, and its stock tumbled around 20% in after-hours trading. Not a good uh, end of the day for Jassy there. <laughs> Never like to see that. And uh, Apple also dropped some numbers, and they fared a little bit better. They beat overall revenue expectations, but they did come up a little bit short on iPhone and services revenue. They were flip-flopping after hours trading. The last I looked, they were down maybe 1%. I was found after hours trading, releasing earnings reports after the bell, an interesting thing, because it's kind of like you yeah. finish your work day, and then you really just get started for some of these people when we do that. Yeah, kind of exactly. Sucks. Well, speaking of that, Jacob, uh, this kind of leads us right into our first story. The situation at Amazon sounds really bad. Probably lots of folks working after hours on that. But another company had an even worse week. What the hell is going on at Meta here? Yeah, so Meta was in the news, as always, the whole week. Uh, but this week, it was especially sour news, I'd say, for them. People were really tearing them to shreds. Yeah. We had investors writing open letters to Mark Zuckerberg, pleading him, basically, to change course and cut out his metaverse nonsense, is basically what they were saying. 
The stock plunged 24% yesterday nice. to its lowest point since 2016. Wow. Which is wild. They, they saw their second consecutive quarter of declining revenues, massive losses, and it's Reality Labs division, which is basically its metaverse division. Mm-hmm. And Mark Zuckerberg, we see doubling down yeah. on his bets, on his metaverse ambitions, on his pivot of the entire company, more or less, and really justifying these losses as, you know, an investment hmm. that will pay off 10 years from now or so. And so in terms of a business, not a great look. The company is now valued around $260 billion or so, down from a trillion dollars, more than a trillion dollars. Yeah, I was going to say, weren't they a trillion dollar company last year? (laughs) They've lost around $750 billion in market cap. Okay. For reference, Home Depot, which is just an interesting company because they focus on building in the real world, not the metaverse. Oh, right. They're worth more than meta now, around $300 billion. Wow. Okay. Investors don't like this, obviously. We saw Jim Cramer. The CNBC host nearly in tears yesterday. <laughs> was he really? <laughs> really? Nearly in tears, apologizing. He was apologizing for being bullish on the company mm. for some time, saying he messed up big time. For people who don't know, there's something called the inverse Kramer index. A lot of people make fun of Jim Kramer for making bad stock calls. And yeah. whenever he says you should invest in a stock, these people joke about selling the stock and vice versa. So when he came out and said he's sorry about being bullish on Meta, all these people came out online saying, oh, it's time to buy Meta stock. (laughs) (laughs) So that is funny. But also employees too, for them, it is not great Mm -hmm. at Meta, right? People who are still at Meta can't be a good feeling. And it's going to be harder for the company to attract and retain their good talent. Mm. At the same time, though, I like giving people the benefit of the doubt. Mark Zuckerberg is a builder. He's the original founder of this company, unlike any other big tech company, you know, of the main big tech companies. And I wouldn't discount that, right? It's clear that there is going to be a place for metaverse-associated technology in the future. The thing that no one knows is whether he got this bet right in terms of his vision, sure. his timing, or both, and the fact that he placed the bet in the first place. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Even the harshest Zuckerberg critics will admit that he is a very skilled operator. Who knows? Maybe he launched this whole metaverse thing too quickly. It obviously hasn't panned out well for him so far. I think Meta has spent about $15, $16 billion this year alone on the metaverse. And Zuck's net worth is down, what, like $76 billion at this point? Yeah, but what's the difference at some point? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you've got some slightly better news at another Fortune 500 company. Yes, different industry, you could say. Also starts with an M. McDonald's also starts with an M. Yes, they are on a roll. I thought this was interesting. You know, this company is one of these companies that everyone sees almost on a daily basis for many people. So it's just an interesting company to hear about, to discuss. And I saw some interesting numbers about McDonald's foot traffic Mm -hmm. this year. So I wanted to run through those. First off, compared to its 2021 numbers, this company Placer.ai, which kind of tracks things like foot traffic in quick service restaurants, especially found that U.S. foot traffic at McDonald's has been widely outpacing that of the category generally 
this year. In September, it saw a growth of 6.2% compared to just 0.8% in what's known as the QSR category generally. Wow, big. It's humongous. And in the first week of October, get this, McDonald's introduced, I know we spoke about this a little while back, adult happy meals. Yep, yep. And that week they saw foot traffic jump 37% year over year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So they do a really good job at kind of timing out these interesting, lucrative kind of marketing campaigns. But what's most interesting, I think, is that McDonald's historically has been a really well-performing company in stock, especially during economic downturns. So Mm. during the 2008 recession, for instance, McDonald's stock went up 2% or maybe even a little more than 2% compared with a more than 4.4% drop for Mm. S&P 500 restaurants and a 35% drop for the S&P 500 altogether. Mm -hmm. And in the last year, McDonald's stock is actually up around 8% compared to the S&P 500 being down 17%. Wow. So they're flinging the burgers, they're flinging the Happy Meals, and they're doing a good job at it. Well, they serve up that fairly affordable food during rough times. It's a beacon for a lot of folks. I'm shocked by that 37% traffic jump just because of adult Happy Meals. That seemed like kind of (laughs) an interesting gimmick, but that's quite impressive. I think it's there's a lot of nostalgia there for people. Yeah. A lot of people want those little plastic Grimace toys or something. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, last thing here, we had the good and the bad. This is kind of a big question mark that is on everyone's mind right now. We've talked a lot about this whole Twitter saga with Elon Musk and Twitter. Obviously, you know, big backstory there. Like he wants to go in and buy a $44 billion company. He tries to back out. They keep him to his word. Now he's going through with it. What's the latest here? Yes. So when it comes to Elon buying Twitter, I think it's safe to say a lot of people have kind of had it with this story. They're tired of hearing about it. But I am sorry to tell everyone that I really do think this is just chapter one, what we've seen so Mm -hmm. far, and that the real fun is about to get started. So chapter one was about whether this would actually happen, how the deal would go through, who would be paying for it, how he could afford it. And assuming all goes well, it should be signed, sealed and delivered by the end of the day. And that puts us turning the page to chapter two, which I think is really just now going to be seeing what will actually happen now that Elon does have control of Twitter. Mm -hmm. And so the first thing he did this week was walk into the Twitter headquarters with a literal sink saying, let that sink in. So I think it's safe to say things will be entertaining Mm -hmm. in this next phase. Or depressing based on what side you hear. More depressing is another uh, word for it. There are a lot of questions that no one knows the answer to that will be answered in the coming days or months. Mm -hmm. So will he cut this number that has been thrown around 75% of the jobs at the company, as has been reported earlier this week? He reportedly said, no, he won't. But, you know, current company leadership was already planning, according to internal documents, a 25% workforce reduction. So I see that being a likely possibility. He has stated he wants to cut costs and increase revenue, and that's a great Mm -hmm. way for them to do that quickly. So I could see something like that playing out. But how will he change how Twitter works is a big question. It's rules, it's features, 
Will he let Donald Trump back to the site? What would that mean? Would he change things for advertisers? You know, people were raising the issue of potential conflict of interests with him owning Tesla and, you know, let's say auto advertisers sure. advertising on Twitter. I think the interesting thing is yesterday he said he's buying the company, and this is a quote, to have a common digital town square where a wide range of beliefs can be debated in a healthy manner and that it cannot become a free-for-all hellscape where anything can be said with no consequences. So I do think he really does think this is like a real personal endeavor, and he believes he can improve the site and make it more usable for humanity, I think is how he views this. How that will actually all play out for us on a day-to-day basis remains to be seen. Does remain to be seen. And as you said, not only potential business conflicts of interest, but geopolitical concerns like, you know, his business ties with China and how they might interfere with his free speech mission, as he puts it. There are just a lot of unanswered questions here that many really just have to see. Yes. This story, I feel like, has gotten a disproportionate amount of play just because a lot of the discourse... It happens on Twitter. So the entire (laughs) platform is just all consumed with this right now. Right. Also, you know, we're heading into midterm elections and it's a very tumultuous time for one of the largest communications platforms to get any kind of shakeup. We saw how big of an impact Twitter can have in the political sphere in 2008 and 2016. You know, lots and lots of things up in the air on this. I think that's the best way to put it. We'll have to stay on top of it. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thanks for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today was Robert Hartwig and our executive producer, Darren Clark. If you want more tech and business coverage, go check out our newsletter at thehustle.co slash email. That's thehustle.co slash email. And until then, we'll see you next week. 